Glorious devotees, thank you for viewing another presentation on Shijiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas. We're now on our second discussion of the Krishna Sandarbha, in-depth and comprehensive <clears throat> uh, review of uh, the Krishna Sandarbha. And uh, in the first class, uh, we began with the first Anucheta, and we saw that Jiva Goswami's approach at the beginning of the Krishna Sandarbha is to uh, give a very thorough commentary on the third chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, wherein Srila Sutta Goswami presents. Uh, in response to the questions of the sages, and specifically Sunaka there, representing them, uh, 
he was requested, Sutta, to uh, speak of the various uh, avataric descents of the Supreme Lord. So this third chapter, of course, includes um, the core essence of the key to understanding the entirety of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Pariva Sutra, and Jiva Goswami is going to gradually bring us up to uh, that particular verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam by going step by step through the verses of the third chapter as presented in the Srimad Bhagavatam. One thing I wanted to mention in this regard is the significance of what is our process for gaining a sound footing in spiritual life and specifically in Krishna consciousness. As Jiva Goswami has explained at the very beginning, uh, these Sandarbhas are for those who are aspiring to become uh, devotees of this manifestation of the Supreme. Of course, the Supreme Lord has unlimited manifestations. So he's presented the first three Sundarbas leading up to this Krishna Sundarbha, uh, preliminary information to bring us to this point of fully exploring the nature of Krishna. And he, need, he wants to impress upon us uh, the significance of Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna and the significance, although he's already mentioned it, uh, in the Tattva Sandarva, the significance of the Srimad Bhagavatam as our primary praman, giving evidence to this viewpoint of spirituality. Um, and it's, it's a radical viewpoint based on this Purana as opposed to the Prasthana Trayi that was accepted by, uh, by other Vaishnav Sampradayas up to the point in time of the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So they accepted Bhagavad Gita, uh, the principal Upanishads and Vedanta Sutra as the primary source of transcendental knowledge. And with the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we give much more importance under his guidance to the Srimad Bhagavatam as the primary praman for understanding the Supreme. So, as I said, Jiva Goswami wants to impress upon us this Krishna conception. And if we look at truly an approach to spiritual life, which can be beneficial to us, uh, this idea of being impressed upon with spirituality is very significant. Because we can see that 
being impressed is what drives us and has driven us since time immemorial within the material realm. Uh, at least coming into the human form of life, we look at different courses that human society collectively and individual humans take. And we can see that the courses, the directions they take in their life is based upon what's impressed them in life. A simple example, I may be uh, impressed by a specific um, presentation of music. Uh, maybe it's rock and roll, maybe it's classical music. Uh, within that, either one of those genres, I may be impressed with a particular uh, instrument that's used to make that music. And therefore, I study specific musicians who utilize that instrument. And I'm impressed by the way they use that instrument to express music. Um, and I become very much attached to that impression. I maybe even become super attached to an individual, an individual in a band. And immediately, wherever that person is playing, whether it be Isaac Perlman or, or one of the Beatles, I have to be there. I have to see that performance. I'm so, I'm so overtaken with the impressions I've received from them that they become a role model for me, or they become an object of, of uh, worship. Uh, a role model in the case that I want to pursue being like that individual, or I may just be in, impressed and infatuated by them and, and what they are, what the way they make me feel when they play their instrument or the way they make me feel when they do their business in the world. And so we can see that our material life is based upon impression upon impression. And sometimes those impressions are so significant that they completely overtake our being, our existence, our sense of self. So we start to identify, I'm a rock and roll star, or I'm a classical violinist. And we start to study, we we in, compound those impressions by going to an institution where I can be further impressed with that course of um, pursuit. And sometimes those impressions carry from one life to another. And when they carry forward, uh, in Sanskrit, we have a, a terminology, uh, samskara. It's like, uh, it, it's, a, it's a real deep impression. It, it's really stuck with us, so much so that I may have studied music and practiced music, and all of a sudden, I'm born in an environment to let me continue with that because my desire was so intense 
that uh, coming out of the womb, uh, I immediately have uh, innate talents coming forward. So material life impresses us and we allow ourselves to be impressed. We utilize our intelligence to be impressed in so many different fields of activities. And what, what really impresses us to the point of making an imprint on our very being, which can be referred to as a samskara, that becomes our, that, that's who we relate with. That's who we become. We become that classic musician. We become that rock star. We become that businessman. We become, we become. So many we becomes, and then we become tired of that one, and we move on to another impression. And then we move up and down the ladder, and then we want to be impressed by controlling, and we move up to the heavenly sphere, and and we may even take a position of management within the material, a material manifestation. And then we may fall down from that. We may offend someone and be cursed. And so impression is, is really central to our sense of self. So much so that even, even the bodies that we take as we go from and continually in samsara from one body to another, those impressions can become such that even the body that we inhabit takes on certain characteristics based on the, the depth and significance of those impressions. What is Krishna consciousness? Then it is placing ourselves where we can be impressed. We can reprogram our impressions from a material aspiration to a spiritual aspiration. So I mentioned this to, to highlight the significance of coming into this study and this in-depth unpacking of the nature of the Supreme Lord as Jiva Goswami is giving us his darbs. He is unpacking the essence of the Srimad Bhagavatam using its key, magical key, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. He's unpacking the Sandarbhas, utilizing that key so that we can become impressed with this manifestation of divinity, Swayam Bhagavan, Sri Krishna. And this is what constitutes a groundwork for our spiritual involvement and a groundwork which will, when properly pursued, result in an, a complete absorption 
in spirituality based upon this conception. Now, we're going to find here that as we go through just this beginning in the Srimad Bhagavatam, where in the various manifestations of the Lord are put forth uh, by Sutta Goswami, all these different avataric descents coming up to this the significance of Krishna, um, we could see that the beginning of the, the Sandarbhas give us this conception of as we approach spirituality, we can develop a conception, and that conception can be broadly uh, seen as going towards Brahman, Paramatma, or Bhagavan. And when we see, when we take to a spiritual pursuit wherein we accept that the Supreme Lord has his own spiritual nature, his Swarup, then he can manifest that unlimited in unlimited ways. But we are pursuing a specific manifestation of divinity, which from our, the viewpoint of our sampradaya, substantiated by scriptural revelation, as explained by the sadhus and the saints, from our Sampradaya, it's completely reveals divinity in what we accept as its topmost manifestation. And then those same Acharyas go on to unpack for us the topmost loving exchanges that we can have with that topmost manifestation of divinity. So we should be impressed by this, and we should allow these impressions to come to us. We should, we should immerse ourselves in such impressions, and we should be open to the constant revelation, which is the characteristic of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We should not become simply stuck in one place, but we should allow ourselves to remain open to all that the Sampradaya has to offer and all that the that our spiritual master and at the that the and of the sadhus, the present sadhus and the Purva Acharyas of our Sampradaya have to give us and constantly allow ourselves to become students forever in this ongoing pursuit of a loving relationship with this specific manifestation of divinity 
Swayam Bhagavan, Sri Krishna. And as we go on in Krishna Sandarbha, Krishna is going to be revealed more and more by Jiva Goswami. His transcendental abodes will be revealed to us. And his eternal associates will be revealed. And we should allow those impressions to come upon us in a, in a profound and significant way. So we'll start here with uh, the first verse from the third chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, which will complete the commentary on the first Anucheta by Jiva Goswami. So Sutta Goswami begins his third chapter by saying, in the beginning, prior to the cosmic manifestation, the Supreme Personal Absolute Bhagavan, intending to evolve the cosmos, manifested the form of the Purusha, who is enfolded within Sambhutam, him, along with the Tattva beginning with Mahat, and endowed with the 16 evolutionary principles necessary for creation. The meaning of this verse is that Bhagavan manifested the form of Mahavishnu, who is endowed with all the material ingredients required for creation. Implicit within this form are the totality of jivas along with their individual karmas, carried over from the previous creation cycle. The 16 evolutionary principles refers to the five Mahabhutas, space, air, fire, water, and earth, the five cognitive senses, the five conative senses, these are the knowledge acquiring and the working senses, and the mind presiding over those senses. So these are the 16 principles that Sutta Goswami is speaking about in this first uh, verse. Now, we continue with to the second Anucheta, and again, specific details about the nature of these Purusha avatars. And Jiva's taking some time here because this is what we are most acquainted with. So if we can understand how the Supreme manifest the world and and what how he administers um, the the cosmic manifestation both its um, first creation referred to as sarga and visarga these are two of the 10 subjects of a major purana so jiva's taking some time here to let us know exactly how does this material manifestation come forth from the Supreme Lord? And he's taking, he's going into this in depth because this is what we're acquainted with. So we should know the environment that we are in and how the Lord manifested it. So he goes into this. So he continues now with 
the second and third verse from this third chapter, Sutta's continuing, to verify that, excuse me, to verify that this form of the Purusha, Mahavishnu, is also the source of the secondary creation, Visarga, Sutta Goswami speaks the following one and a half verses. And then he quotes from the Bhagavatam, while he, the Purusha's second manifestation, was displaying his yogic sleep of supraconscious absorption, yoga nidra, reposing on the Garbhodak ocean, Brahma, the master of the progenitors of the world, appeared from a lotus growing from the lake of his navel. It is on the configuration of his, the Purusha's limbs, that the world is conceived to to extend. So Sutta here is, is giving insight in these the second and third verse into the next manifestation of Paramatma. First, we have the Mahavishnu lying on the Karna Ocean, also referred to, therefore, as Karna Dakshai Vishnu. Then so many universes are springing forth from his pores, or in, in so many ways it's referred to, but basically they're coming forth. And that same Purusha is entering into each of those individual universes. And when he enters within those universes, he lies down within, he, he from him springs forth, uh, Sometimes it's referred to perspiration. It would be transcendental perspiration, I guess. And he fills up the bottom half and he lies down on what's referred to as the Garbodak Ocean. So first we have the Karnodakshai lying on the Karna Ocean. And then we have the Garbodakshai Vishnu lying on the Garbodak Ocean within each individual universe. Jiva Goswami continues to unpack this verse for us. The pronoun yasya of him refers to the first Purusha's second manifestation, Dvatiya Vyuha, who, having entered the universal egg, and there's unlimited universal eggs, was reposing on the water of the Garvodak Ocean. This is how the sentence is to be syntactically arranged. It is on the configuration of the limbs, or in other words, the overt arrangement of feet and so on, of that Purusha lying there in that manner that the world is conceived to extend in the shape of the universal form, Virad Akara. So Jeeva is saying, Sutta is given this because it's going to be explained in, in detail. I heard it from uh, Sukadev's discourse, and he does he does go into some detail on this meditative conception of the material manifestation, that different aspects of the material world can be seen as the a meditative 
we can meditate on a form of the Lord as the creator, the Purusha, and see the universe in that Purusha and all that we are acquainted with in through our phenomenal sense perceptions of the world around us, we can see um, we can conceive of all that being the Lord himself. So this is advantageous for the beginning yogi, and that will be explained uh, as we go forward and look at what is uh, comes from the commentary. The configuration of his limbs is as described in the Bhagwat. Patala constitutes the soles of his feet. And now he's, Jiva is quoting from the second canto. Such descriptions are put forth for the benefit of beginners on the path of worship to steady the mind. In other words, it is not that this is a factual form of the Purusha. So Jiva is giving us how to look at these sections of the Bhagavatam that elaborate upon this Virat conception, the Rod Akara, form of the Lord. Jiva continues, alternatively, it is to be understood that he created the world expanse by his limbs, which are its cause, as expressed in the Shruti, beginning with, the moon was born from the mind of the Purusha up to the earth appeared from his two feet and the directions from his ears. And, like, and in like manner, the various planets also came into being. So this conception of the Purusha is, is there and runs these trends of thought run throughout the Vedic literature. So here Jiva is saying, see, we can see that even in the Shruti, the Rig Veda, this idea comes forth, the Purusha. So it's important that we understand what is this conception, and we put it in proper perspective, and that's what Jiva is doing for us. His, his literature is directed towards Gaudias. There are so many transcendentalists who are aspiring to, uh, to various spiritual goals, but as he stated at the very beginning in his Mangala Charna, this specific presentation of the Sandarbhas, or for those who are seeking to further deepen their understanding and love for the Krishna conception. But when we come to these, we're going to see these statements in various scriptures. How are we to see them? And then in the middle of his second Anucheta, he quotes two significant sections from the Mahabharata uh, that also speak to ways of looking upon this manifestation of the world and 
these Purusha avatars. The Paramatma feature of, of the Supreme. So after quoting verses from the Mahabharata, Sujiva Goswami states, so his Sandarbha continues. So I took out those long sections so we could get to what he concludes from those sections. In this way, after describing Sankarshan's majesty, Sri Vyasadeva spoke also of Aniruddha's majesty in the verses beginning with Anirodo he, also from the Mahabharata. In the later verse, the word lokeshu, literally in the worlds, means in each Brahmanda or universe. The appellation Mahan Atma, the Supreme Self, means Paramatma. He is the Paramatma, Mahan Atma, in each universe, Lokeshu. Vyaktatvam, in the verse from the Mahabharata, means having become manifest. Prakatyam, from Prajumna, is to be added in the later sentence to complete the sense. This will go on to explain how the Paramatma manifestations are seen in relationship to the terminology of the Chaturvyuha, uh, which is the fourfold manifest manifestations of divinity. So we'll get to a little bit more on this. Sutta, however, intended to speak of the essential non-difference of Prajumna and Aniruddha. I'm sorry, intending to speak of the essential non-difference of Prajumna and Aniruddha, did not mention Prajumna separately, as is also the case in the verse, Vishnu has three forms. This manner of description is evident in the sixth chapter of the second canto, as in Sridhar Swami's commentary on verse 2639. The clause, sa he is the original Purusha, means he is the original Bhagavan, who, appearing as the Purusha, enacts the functions of creation and so forth. Now we may question, why is Jiva Goswami going into such detail? And it's for our benefit so that we can understand when we see in scripture references to Prajumna and Aniruddha and Vasudev as these manifestations of Karna, Garbo, and Kashiro Dakshai Vishnu, uh, we can see how these terminologies have been utilized. He concludes this second Anucheta saying the following Similarly, in Sridhar Swami's commentary, the Purusha is the first avatar of Para. The word Parashya means of the supreme. Bhumna, Purusha means the impeller of Prakriti, whose form is the matter of cosmic play, Lila Vigraha, is described 
in Vedic mantras, such as Sahasra Sirsa Purusha. He is the first avataric descent, Ajovatara. Similarly, in this regard, one should examine the section of verses from 12 to 17 of the 20th chapter of the third canto, along with Sridhar Swami's commentary. Therefore, this form is not interpreted as that of the Virat. It is thus also to be concluded that Bhagavan as Vasudev is certainly distinct from the Purusha. Jiva is sorting this all out for us to understand these statements, understand them, utilizing the, the, the knowledge that I'm providing here, that first of all and foremost, when we come across these various descriptions speaking to the nature of the Virat Purusha or the Virat manifestation, that these are a meditative tool. And understand that these also understand, in addition to that, putting that in its place in our consciousness when we come across such statements, understanding they're to, they're to assist us in, in seeing that everything's springing forth from the Lord. And every he, he, his energies pervade all of material existence. And you can see that in re, we can see the whole material manifestation as his very body. That's made in to, to relate to, to what we're acquainted with and put it in the context of a connection with divinity. It's a good place to begin. But also understand that in the ultimate conception and our understanding, these manifestations of divinity coming from Narayan in Vaikuntha, springing forth from him and lying on the casual ocean, that that manifestation, which, in, which enfolds within it all of the potentiality for material creation, those 16 evolutes, and holding within it the aggregate of the jiva shakti, the potentiality of separated consciousness exploring its potentiality in relationship to those material manifestations. All those are coming from an individual manifestation of the Supreme in three different aspects. And we will dive more deeply into those aspects as, as we go forward, specifically in the commentary to this Anucheda. So keeping all these in place, it may seem a little to us 
what's what's the need? I, I'll just go to Bhagavad Gita and say, I accept what Krishna says. And from a single spark of my splendor, this entire universe unfolds. And I'm content with that. Well, that's okay for those that are content with that. Uh, we understand there are transcendentalists who, who, who are content with simply this understanding. But when our acharyas, when somebody of the spiritual significance of Jiva Goswami takes the notebooks of another of the Goswamis and, and puts them in a form where we can study them, uh, there has to be some utility for us in undergoing that study. These Goswamis, they are the foundational architects, and they give us the perspective upon this primary praman, which was so much adored by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Srimad Bhagavatam, that just to 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 simply say that that this detailed knowledge is is truly not that important uh, may not be in our best interest we should not perhaps take such a superficial view uh, we worship krishna's uh, words from bhagavad gita but we also have to take, we're, we're, we are following a path of Raganuga Bhakti. Uh, we, refer, we, we refer to ourselves as Rupa Nuga, uh, following the course of Rupa uh, Goswami, the, uh, as leading the Goswamis in our pursuit of spirituality. So this neat detailed knowledge, as much as we can comprehend it, uh, is advantageous to understand the Virat Purushian proper perspective, to understand these three manifestations of uh, Krishna's Paramatma feature uh, and, and how the, they are, they have manifested and created the material manifestation uh, in order to facilitate their devotees further progress in spiritual life and how we somehow have been pulled into such a spiritual current flowing towards Galok, uh, it, it's quite, quite uh, uh, amazing f f that we have this uh, opportunity. So some highlights uh, from the commentary here on this uh, second nanocheta. 
In this Anucheta, Srila Jiva Goswami continues to explain the process of evolution as described by Sutta Goswami. His intention is twofold. To delineate, to delineate the three manifestations of the Purusha, or Paramatma, as distinct from Bhagavan, and to show that the Virat Purusha is not a real form of the Purusha, but an imaginary portrayal of the universal structure as a form of God to provide an object of meditation for neophyte spiritualists. Continuing in the commentary. Cosmic evolution is described in different places in the Bhagavat Purana, as well as in other scriptures. Sometimes these descriptions seem to contradict each other. The reason for this is that they may not all provide the same measure or precision of detail. There are four expansions, Chaturvyuha, of Bhagavan in the spiritual world, called Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. Vasudev is the original form, and the other three proceed from him in that order. In Krishna Leela, Krishna is Vasudev, his brother Balaram is Sankarshan, his son is Pradyumna, and his grandson, Aniruddha. In Ram Leela, the four Vyuhas are the four brothers, Ram, Lakshman, Bharat, and Shitrugna, respectively. It is not necessary that with every avatar, all the Vyuhas are manifest because we only have three manifestations of Paramatma. Uh, so there's not, there's not four. <laughs> so it's not necessary. Uh, it's explained here. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur states the following in his commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam. So this is what Vishnu, Vishwanath him, he write, himself writes in his commentary on this same, the same verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam. The first form, Mahavishnu, is the inner soul of Prakriti. The second form, Garbhodakshai, is the inner soul of the collective jivas in each universe. The third form, Kashirodakshai, is the inner soul of each jiva. The three acting as inner souls are expansion of Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. So the primary creation, Sarga, is affected by Mahavishnu, who is the Paramatma for the metacosmos, or metacosm, or the aggregate material nature, Prakriti. He ex then expands himself as Garbhodakshai Vishnu, the Paramatma for the macrocosm, or the individual Brahmanda, meaning here an individual universe. The third expansion is Kashirodakshai Vishnu, the Paramatma for the microcosm, or the individual Jiva. Now, if you remember, Sri Jiva Goswami pointed us in the direction of Sridhar Swami's um, commentary on verses from the third canto so that we can understand the evolutionary theory uh, behind material, behind the material manifestation. 
so I have, um, we, we'll find here in this a little bit of an unpacking of uh, and a summarization of what Sridhar Swami said so that we could see um, the significance that he wanted us to study there. The discussion is summarized as follows. During the period of dissolution, the material universes as a whole are enfolded within the unmanifest state of Prakriti in which the three gunas remain in a neutralized condition. At the onset of a new creative cycle, Mahavishnu, who is the regulator of Prakriti, impels time to unsettle the equilibrium of the gunas in accordance with the aggregate karma of the jivas from the previous cycle. The first evolute, so now material nature has been um, stimulated by time, and now we're ready to, to get into a manifestation of the creative cycle so that the, as stated here, aggregate karma of the jivas, those, those impressions and that unactualized um, reaction and desire on the part of the jivas uh, can be effectuated within a material manifestation. The first evolute generated from the gunas interaction is Mahat. So just for terminology's sake, the, the state of equilibrium where the gunas are neutralized, as stated here, is generally referred to as Pradhan. And then once there's a little bit of activity, the terminology changes to Mahat or cosmic intellect. There's something to do. There's a, there's a potentiality there to, to, uh, uh, to uh, manifest uh, that latent uh, karma that's been lying dormant itself being neutralized at the end of the prior manifestation of the material energy. Although Mahat is predominantly of the nature of sattva, luminosity, it becomes dominated by rajas, dynamism, dynamicism, uh, at the time of creation. Ahankar, the phenomenal I, awareness, with its three divisions of sattva, rajas, and tamas, becomes manifest from mahat. How does it become manifest? From ahankar predominated by sattva, the mind is generated along with the presiding deities, devas of the senses. From ahankar predominated by rajas comes the ten senses, that would be both the knowledge acquiring and the working senses. And from Ahamkar, predominated by Thomas, come the five ton mantras, gross elements. Well, first of all, the, the, the sense objects are the ton mantras. So we have our five senses and we have five sense objects that they can perceive. 
So the subtle essence, essence as it said here, of the elements, uh, which give further rise to the five Mahabhutas, the mega elements. So the Tan mantras are those subtle, uh, se the senses there of spell, and the Tan mantra there is, is of, of something to smell. And then we have uh, the manifestation of, of gross elements, which within the material, once the material manifestation comes about, they give off a scent. <laughs> Thereafter, by the intention of Mahavishnu, these elements combine together to form a golden egg. This universal egg lies lifeless in the causal ocean for a thousand years. A moment, less than a moment. <laughs> uh, after that, Vishnu enters the egg, thus bringing it to life. A lotus then sprouts from the, from the lotus navel of Vishnu. Its brilliant brilliance is that of a thousand suns, as is encompassed, as it encompasses the totality of all jivas within its fold. So we can imagine the 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 this lotus that Brahma comes on is is brilliant as brilliant as, as thousands of suns. It encompasses the totality of the jivas that are going to inhabit that universe. Brahma appears on top of that lotus. Then Garbhodakshai Vishnu enters the heart of Brahma and inspires him to evolve the universe according to the system laid down in the previous cycle. So the previous creation cycle. Uh, is repeated by the Brahma, who is the secondary creator. So the primary creation coming from Karnadakshai Vishnu is referred to as Sarga, and the secondary creation is Visarga. Um, and that is enacted by Brahma and all of the jivas coming forth through Brahma and through Garbhodakshai Vishnu uh, to effectuate the material creation. So in this, um, considering the length and depth of the next Anucheda, this would probably be a good place for us to uh, stop with this today's discussion. If you have any questions, uh, we can address those at this time. And if not, I will Thank you so much for your kind association and hope to uh, speak with you again uh, uh, next week. Panchakalpatubhishcha, Kripasindabhiyavacha, Patitanam Pabhanebhyo, Vaishnavijid Namo Namaha. Hare Krishna.
Vira Vira